You are live with Get Connected. Mike Agarbo here in studio today. We have lots to talk about on today's program. The future of transport technology. We'll be talking with Brian Jackson over at IT World Canada about Elon Musk's Hyperloop, a train system that uh, can take people from Toronto to Montreal in 45 minutes. Will it come to life? Well, we'll get the lowdown on that. We'll also be uh, chatting with Rose Bahar from Mobile Syrup about the upcoming Google hardware announcement October 4th and uh, her thoughts on what we could expect to see there. Also in the news, we'll be talking about a few different things. Uh, a huge uh, data leak from a, uh, a car tracking company that exposed uh, almost half a million drivers' information. We'll also be uh, chatting about Uber being potentially banned in London and a Game Boy Advance powering medical equipment. All that and more coming up on today's show. I've got Christina Stoyanova with me in studio today. Thanks for uh, hanging out. Thanks for having me. Want to chat uh, about some of the uh, tech news stories. Uh, one of the big ones this week, Google is buying a big piece of HTC in a billion dollar bet on devices. So this is uh, Google buying, uh, from what I understand, HTC's Pixel division. Uh, Pixel is a smartphone branded uh, with Google that HTC makes. They're buying that team for $1.1 billion US. This is really interesting because Google has played in this space before. So uh, I'm interested to see how it's going to work out for them because they did actually purchase Motorola a few years back and then, um, you know, had to sell it off to Lenovo shortly thereafter. Yeah, they uh, paid uh, $12.5 billion for Motorola back uh, in the day and then uh, sold it for less than $3 billion back over to uh, Lenovo. So uh, I know Google is feeling the pressure from Apple. Apple has done a fantastic job with their overall ecosystem and hardware. And I think Google is feeling a bit of that uh, pain as well. Android's uh, Android phones make up four out of five smartphones in the world right now, which is just phenomenal, but there's huge fragmentation. And what I mean by that is that all these different phones run different versions of Android. What Apple has done successfully is uh, really have most of their users upgrade to the latest operating system when it comes out, whereas Android, that's not the case. Yeah, and you know what's interesting about that actually is that not all Android systems are built uh, the same. So in many Samsung phones, uh, you know, you're seeing less of the Google presence than you did before. So, uh, you know, Google stands to lose from this fragmented market. Well, uh, also something to watch, Samsung, one of the biggest uh, smartphone makers uh, out there, they run Android uh, operating system on their smartphones. Uh, this could be a potential threat to them uh, as well if Google decides to get more into the hardware business. That's interesting because Samsung provides some of the components of uh, that go into a lot of uh, a lot of smartphones. So that's going to be a very uneasy relationship there. Well, it is, but when you look at Samsung, they they make more than just smartphones. They make all the different components, uh, you know, the memory, the screens. Uh, actually, Apple uses a lot of Samsung components in iPhones. So uh, I think I don't think Samsung's going to be hurting uh, anytime soon. Another interesting story we're following uh, Uber. Uh, which we still haven't seen in Vancouver yet, and I don't know when we will. Uh, London is basically uh, stripping Uber of its license to operate uh, by the end of September. So what is going to happen to all those Uber drivers? Well, they say there's uh, over 40,000 registered drivers in London alone, which just kind of blows me away. So what I don't understand is uh, what happens when you take 
tens of thousands of these Uber cars off the road that uh, a lot of Londoners are actually using to get around. Yeah, that's uh, that's going to be a strain on transportation for sure. And, you know, obviously it's going to affect traffic as well, because now you have a lot of people who would have been able to flag down an Uber, but now will have to drive into the city, a very congested city. Yeah, and I, I'm, I've been reading into the story too. It, it seems very kind of vague. Um, there's the, the Transport for London, the TFL, uh, which governs uh, taxis and, and Ubers, uh, not overly specific as to why they're stripping. And they're, they're citing security and safety concerns. They're saying Uber's not uh, playing well, uh, you know, corporately. They're not uh, disclosing assaults and things like that uh, in a timely fashion. But, uh, you know, we've seen this in many jurisdictions. It just seems the taxi industry just has such a stranglehold uh, over uh, rides. Yeah, and we definitely see that in Vancouver here. We uh, That's why we don't have Uber still. So, NDP, if you're listening, let us know when it's coming. <laughs> uh, I think there's a lot of uh, Metro Vancouver folks uh, that would be interested in uh, using them. Uh, an interesting story I came across, uh, Christina. Uh, a Twitter user uh, actually opened up an older electrocardiogram, uh, uh, an ECG, uh, and found that components inside belong to a Game Boy Advance. Do, do you remember the Game Boy Advance? Uh, no, I don't. I wasn't much of a gamer uh, when I was younger. I still am not. But uh, I thought this was actually sort of comical because when I read the headline, the first thing that came to mind was how can you tell that it that they're components from a Game Boy Advance? But if you look at the picture that comes with the story, <laughs> it's literally branded. <laughs> Yeah, the uh, the screen it says Game Boy Advance, and this is inside the uh, uh, the actual medical uh, instrument. Uh, but uh, you know, they say that uh, you, there might be more of these uh, Game Boy Advance components inside uh, older types of uh, uh, machines, like medical devices, uh, and uh, even things like sewing machines or, or sonar for finding fish. Uh, they were actually very inexpensive uh, computer components uh, that could be hacked easily and were very reliable to power a lot of these machines. Nowadays, we have uh, single-purpose per, uh, single uh, uh, computer uh, circuits and, and chips like the Raspberry Pi that would do uh, very similar things. But I, I thought it was an interesting story. I think it's hilarious that the Game Boy was that stable that it can be relied <laughs> on to run an ECG machine. Yeah, I wonder if Mario comes up on the... <laughs> On the screen, the main screen. I'm not even singing it right, I don't think. Finally, SVR Tracking, a company that actually has devices in millions of cars down in the U.S., was hacked, and half a million records tied to a number of vehicles were actually leaked. This was brought to the surface by uh, Chromtech Security Center, uh, which uh, basically found that uh, this company was using uh, Amazon's web services and uh, one of their uh, backup servers uh, had this information and hackers were able to get it. Yeah, and it's actually terrifying the level of information that was in here, uh, right down to, you know... uh, records up to 120 days of where these cars have been. So, you know, these hackers can actually figure out where you live when you're not home and you could be robbed blind. 
It's kind of freaky. And so you're asking, why are these tracking devices in cars? Well, a lot of dealerships, uh, you know, especially down in the U.S., uh, for, you know, leased cars, uh, they actually have these tracking devices uh, put in. So uh, if there's ever any issues, uh, they know where to, uh, I guess, come and repossess the car. Uh, also used for uh, service as well, so that they can track what's going on in the car when it needs servicing, you know, for oil changes and if anything else uh, goes wrong. But it's something to be aware of because more and more of these devices are being put in vehicles and uh, you can be tracked. So another uh, sad story about uh, a large company being hacked and our information being spread out over the internet. When we come back from the break, still lots more tech to talk. We're going to be... chatting with our friend Brian Jackson from IT World Canada about some of the future transport technologies from Tesla and uh, Elon Musk, including a big uh, Tesla truck. What's that all about? Well, we've uh, got the lowdown on that. And uh, we'll be talking with uh, Rose Bahar about what's coming up with Google's big announcement October 4th. All that and more, stay tuned. You are back with Get Connected. Mike Agarbo here in studio. Still lots of tech to talk today. On the line, we've uh, got our friend Brian Jackson from IT World Canada to talk about uh, some future transportation tech that uh, is in our near future. Thanks for joining me today, Brian. Happy to be here. So uh, let's talk about Tesla first uh, before we get to Hyperloop. Uh, Tesla, uh, as many people know, big car manufacturer, uh, punching out electric vehicles. Uh, we've uh, seen the uh, the Model S, the Model X, uh, the Model, uh, is it the Model 3? Yeah, the it's Model co- 3 that just came out this summer, yeah. Yeah, and they're uh, desperately they trying like to get hotcakes. out. Yeah, they're trying to get out as uh, many of those as possible. But uh, now I'm, I'm hearing there's a truck in its future. Uh, you know, this is sort of phase two of uh, Elon Musk strategy with Tesla to get into um, some other vehicles that and he really thinks that he can revolutionize the trucking industry and the transportation industry next with like uh, what we think might be a full class eight semi-truck. So these are the transport trucks that you typically see when you're driving down the highway. You know, they've got the big uh, cargo uh, cubes behind them and they're uh, basically driving just about everything that we, uh, as consumers, buy in today's society touches one of these transport trucks, right? So a huge industry. It's interesting. Uh, I I would see a big technical challenge with that. I mean, those things must need a lot of power. Yeah, that's the surprising thing, is you'd think that just because of the raw power required to haul this amount of weight, that you need the explosions of a gas-fueled engine. But Elon Musk, he's hyping this up. He's saying it's going to be uh, the, a vehicle that can uh, tow the, mo- the most weight in the industry. And uh, he says it'll be able to drive at very fast speeds. Now, where the limitations might lie with a battery-operated sort of truck is in the distance. So maybe these trucks will only be suitable for regional uh, transportation providers. So not not long haul. Yeah, you're not driving from Toronto to San Francisco with this thing. It's probably going to be a top range of about 300 miles, unless Tesla has some sort of elaborate plan for swapping out batteries, you know, pulling over at a stop on the side of the highway where you can exchange the battery in your Tesla truck. Um, 
unless there's something like that, which be, would be a whole other infrastructure project, then we're probably thinking about a, a truck that would make one trip on a complete battery drain and then get a recharge that would take, you know, a, g a good amount of time before the next trip, probably a 24-hour turnaround sort of thing. We're not looking at an autonomous truck here, though, are we? Well, not yet, but as we know, uh, Tesla is pretty serious when it comes to exploring this area, and even with the Tesla 3s uh, or the other Tesla cars on the road today, there's a lot of autonomous driving features, and the cruise control is basically like driving the car for you almost, right? So um, I think we'll start to see those features creep into the semi-trucks too is my expectation of that but we're not sure what the roadmap is from tesla on when uh it'll totally take over and we'll see driverless tra transport trucks barreling down the highway let's uh, talk hyperloop now and brian explain to the listeners who might not know what that is yeah, well, it's from one uh, Elon Musk project to another. This is a project that he's been hyping up since 2015 when he sort of started a competition for student teams to come and test a Hyperloop on his uh, track in Hawthorne, California. And what it is, is basically uh, a vacuum-sealed tube, so a tube without air in it, and a pod, that, like a little car that would travel along this tube uh, leading to like a frictionless ride so it could go very fast and just speed passengers and cargo uh, across huge distances very quickly faster than an airplane and I mean what, what type of capacity are we talking here can we move hundreds of people at a time is it just a dozen do we know that yeah ab yeah absolutely I mean the the, uh, the theory of this is it could replace like a train, right, uh, in terms of the number of people that you could get on this thing. But, um, again, we're talking about theoretical um, t stuff right now. You know, uh, where we're at with this is they've had a couple of test track uh, examples, and uh, we've got a, co a company, Hyperloop One, is the only company in the world that's actually built a full-scale Hyperloop system that they've tested and they say works, but again, this is talking about one mile of distance right now. So uh, this is definitely something that's in production, but we saw a lot of uh, promising signs that, you know, we could actually be riding around in one of these things in about five years' time if, uh, if everything goes well. Are there some cities uh, that are, are vying for this? Yeah, in Canada, uh, we've got a couple of cities showing interest for this. So, first of all, with Hyperloop One, this this company that has developed the full-sized working model, uh, it ha hosted a little global competition saying, we're the best Hyperloop routes around the world that we could come and provide this technology. And... Uh, a bid from Toronto to Montreal with a little stopover in Ottawa along the way was on the short list, the top 10 routes that that uh, competition determined. So that could be pretty interesting. You could imagine, you know, hopping on in Toronto and 45 minutes later you're having a Montreal bagel for breakfast. Sounds pretty good to me. That is pretty amazing. Like, how long does it take right now to drive from Toronto to Montreal? Yeah, I, I just I just drove uh, from Quebec, like... Uh, the other day <laughs> and it took like five hours at least six hours so a long 40, time. 45 minutes sounds a lot better 
it's it's shorter than the flight, so it would be excellent. I wonder if they can scale and, and get capacity. Obviously, this is a, a multi-billion dollar project if it ever gets underway in whatever city. Uh, but like, can they do the volume of people through something like this? Yeah, you could imagine that it would be a very expensive sort of project. And uh, I think that we'll be looking for all of these indicators as they continue building out the test tracks, right? It's like, how many people can it support? Is it, can you load the cargo onto these trains and have them levitate on that magnetic track and, and fly down at hundreds of miles per hour? And what's the risk of something going wrong if the vacuum tube, the vacuum tube gets punctured? Who knows, right? These are things that have to be worked out, and we'll see as it goes along. I mean, um, SpaceX, the company that sort of hosts these competition, has been developing other technologies that have involved a few explosions along the way. So uh, hopefully that can be avoided when when there's these test tracks and Hyperloop tests uh, coming up over the next few years. Talking with our regular contributor, Brian Jackson from IT World Canada, a great resource for all your uh, tech news uh, and needs. I want to thank you for joining us, Brian. Hey, thanks for having me. When we come back from the break, more tech to talk. Stay tuned here on Get Connected. On the line, we've got our friend Rose Bahar from Mobile Syrup. Uh, Google's going to be making a big hardware announcement coming up very shortly, I believe October 4th. Uh, Rose, what are some of the things we're expecting t- Google to announce? We're expecting a lot of big things from Google, and it's kind of coming last in the season after iPhone and after all the other companies have put out their hardware. Uh, We're expecting to see the new Pixel phones, the second generation of Pixel phones, the smaller one made by HTC, the larger one made by LG. Um, Already we've seen some good leaks. They look like they're going with a slightly different look although still comparable to the first. There's going to be the matte back extending over the rear fingerprint sensor. It may have a squeezable frame like the HTC U11, which would mean that you'd be able to do actions with your phone just by squeezing it. Um, And it's going to have pretty small bezels, so a very large display like most premium phones these days. Uh, Yet to be seen whether it'll be just as good as everybody else's offerings, but it does look promising so far. Uh, And we'll also see a lot of VR-related content if the leaks are to be believed. Um, There should be an HTC Vive focus. So the HTC Vive is a maker of a very premium VR headset. They're supposedly making a headset that will run on Google's own Daydream platform for VR. And we're expecting a second-generation Daydream View 2, which is the second generation of the Daydream headset, and it's expected to be more expensive than the previous one. So we're not certain exactly what's going to be boosting up the price, but um, that is also in the pipeline. And then there are a few other pieces of hardware as well. Uh, Google Home Mini, which would be a, a small version of the Google Home, like Amazon's Dot, and a Pixel Book, so a Google-made laptops that would extend their Pixel range. So all very exciting stuff. Let's talk about the Google Home Mini. Uh, I'm a big Google Home phone uh, home fan right now. I've got one in my house. I love it. This thing is amazing. It's a uh, an intelligent digital assistant speaker, so it can play music, but it also listens to your voice if you need to search things on Google or make a phone call or control connected devices in your home. Uh, it is fantastic. So these minis are kind of the same thing, but just a smaller and, and cheaper version. 
That's right. They're expected to cost about $49 in the U.S. Uh, so, you know, more in Canada, of course, but that's still uh, less than uh, the around $100 that the Google Home is. And also to just be smaller and more compact in size so you could have sort of several around your home and uh, be able to afford that and put that all around to really automate the house. I'm, I'm kind of excited about that because uh, I'm really getting into the whole home automation thing now and the Google Home has been fantastic, but uh, obviously uh, it's got a certain range. You know, I've got mine in the kitchen, so it kind of covers my downstairs kitchen and family room, but if I want to be able to talk to it like upstairs or down in the basement, uh, these, these little mini ones would do the trick. These will be really helpful and hopefully we'll see some sort of integration with uh, Google Wi-Fi in the future in which we'll be able to have these kind of uh, connected meshes of AIs and Wi-Fi points around the home that will really just sort of blanket the home and connectivity. Uh, let's quickly talk about the uh, the Pixel 2 phones uh, again. Uh, do you think they're facing some stiff competition now from Apple and, uh, you know, the Apple uh, iPhone 10? Like, has Apple kind of leapfrogged a lot of people, including Google? You know, it depends on who you speak to. Android fans will say that a lot of the things that are in the iPhone 10 are also in the Note, Samsung Note 8 or in the LG V30. Um, I'm not sure that Apple uh, has proven itself to be much more advanced than its competitors, but it will be bringing a lot of those things like facial recognition and like bezel-less displays to the mainstream. I still think there is room for the Google Pixel to play in that space and to become an Android device that is uh, maybe more widely trusted and quickly updated than a lot of Android devices. This could be a breakout year for the Google Pixel if everything goes well. Who who is the Pixel aimed at? Is it for the kind of Uber Android nerd or, you know, are they hoping to become more mainstream? They are hoping to be more mainstream. I know I've spoken with Google folks who have talked about trying to tap into the market of people who aren't necessarily mobile enthusiasts. Um, they definitely have the mobile enthusiast interest now, but they do want to expand to more of a space where Apple is playing, which is just a phone that's easy to use and lovable for anybody and everybody. Lovable, I like that. Uh, Rose, I want to thank you for joining us. Uh, obviously, people can go to mobilesyrup.com to find out more about uh, you and uh, all their uh, mobile needs. Absolutely. Please join us. Rose Bahar from Mobile Syrup, talking about the Google hardware event coming up uh, in the first week of October. When we come back, more tech to talk. Stay tuned here on Get Connected. You are back with Get Connected, Mike Agarbo here in studio. Today I've got my guest host, Christina Stoyanova. You'll also recognize her from the app show that we uh, have every Sundays uh, here on CKNW and QR77. App show, it's an hour-long program dedicated to uh, letting you know about the coolest apps uh, that are out there. Also a lot of uh, great iPhone and Android uh, tips and uh what the new hot smartphones uh, coming out each week are uh, as well. Been doing it uh, here for a few weeks, been going very well. So we uh, encourage you to check that show out every Sunday uh, here, CKNW, 10 a.m. Sundays. Still a lot more uh, tech to talk. Uh, I want to talk about uh, automation and then a little bit about air conditioning in the office and uh, how you can solve some of the uh, 
aircon wars uh, in your workplace. But first, uh, automation, and when it comes to robots, what are we looking at uh, coming up over the next few years? Interesting uh, company down in the U.S. has developed a burger-flipping robot called Flippy that Cali Burger, I think we have one here in Vancouver actually, is uh, installing in 50 of their restaurants down in the U.S. This burger flipper will take the place of kitchen staff, uh, basically saving the restaurant uh, on labor costs. What do you think of this, Christina? I think this is a really interesting problem uh, from a business perspective as well as a technological one. But if you think about it, you know, workers are constantly uh, campaigning for higher wages, but then everyone wants a cheap meal. So how do you keep that meal cheap if you have to raise minimum wage? And that's the problem that these places are being faced with. So it wasn't, uh, you know, too far-fetched to see something like this happen. Well, it's interesting down in the U.S. and happening up here in Canada as well. Everyone wants to increase the minimum wage. And for example, uh, down in the U.S., if uh, you know fast food workers are making $10 an hour, if they get bumped up to $15 an hour, that's an extra $12,000 a year cost to the employer. And so when you look at these burger flipping robots, uh, I can see it being kind of appealing because you're going to make that uh, one-time investment and that could take the place of uh, a few humans. Is that a good thing? Will these burger flipping robots actually work? Do they have to be maintained? A lot of questions that I still have. Yeah, and it it will be really interesting to see how that industry evolves if something like this becomes commonplace because generally when technological advances like this come along, um, it might eliminate some jobs, but it also might create some. So uh it's not quite as alarming as uh, people might think at first. So what jobs would they be creating? Obviously, these robots have to be manufactured. They have to be serviced. Uh, are there robot supervisors? I, I would imagine you would have to have a human making sure that the robots aren't running amok back in the kitchen. Exactly. But, you know, we're looking at other uh, automated uh, things happening in fast food restaurants and, and cafes. Uh, for example, touchscreens. If you go into uh, a lot of McDonald's now, they have giant uh, touchscreens right uh, at the front. So you don't have to go to a human anymore to order. You can basically order your entire meal uh, and then pay right at the touchscreen and just go and pick it up when it's ready. Yeah, and Starbucks does something similar with uh, with their app where you can actually order on the go and just pick it up. You don't even have to hit the till. You can pay for it all through your app. So you never have to make content contact with humans, which is getting to be a little scary, I have to say. Is it, you know, I... You're talking about the Starbucks uh, app where you can order ahead of time and just pick it up. You know, obviously all the payments are done through the app itself. That that has to be taking away jobs as well. Yeah, but also, are we going to have social skills in the near future? Because no, no, no we won't. <laughs> like my daughter, my daughter loves that app. You know, on her way to school, she will pre-order uh, a Starbucks drink. And uh, I don't know how you're allowed to drink Starbucks in school because when I was a kid, I couldn't. If I wanted something to drink, I had to go and get it from the tap. Nonetheless, and she just goes and picks it up and she loves it. She doesn't have to deal with any humans. She likes that. Yeah, I think a lot of people like that. I mean, it's safe. You don't have to think. You don't have to interact. But, you know, it's a little bit uh, concerning whether we're going to have, uh, you know, have meaningful interactions with each other in the next, you know, few decades if things keep going at this rate. 
But I wanted to talk about it on the program here because I love technology. It's something that I've uh, always enjoyed, but I think we have to be careful of it as well. Uh, there is a lot of automation coming up that uh, you know we're kind of aware of. Obviously, we talked about some things here today, You know, the touchscreens and ordering your food or, or your drinks before you even get to the restaurant uh, and burger flipping robots. That's going to take away literally millions of jobs over the next 10 years. And then we have autonomous uh, vehicles, for example. I can see within the next 10, 15 years that you won't even need drivers for, uh, you know, big trucks or taxis or even Uber for that matter. Why do you think Uber and Lyft are investing billions of dollars in self-driving technology? Because they know one of their biggest costs are the people that actually drive the cars. So when they can do away with the humans, they're going to make more money. And is that a good thing? I think it's something that as a society that we really have to take a close look at and make sure that we're planning for that as well, because a lot of these jobs that exist today are going to be gone in the next 10 to 15 years. Definitely. And how do you retrain uh, you know, all of these people who have made a living for so long doing one thing. Well, something that uh, brighter minds than uh, I will have to <laughs> have to figure out. But I think, you know, it's incumbent upon all of us to really uh, make sure that we're on top of this. Changing gears here to uh, the office wars. Uh, and we actually have this in our office and you drive me crazy. Uh, you drive me crazy temperature in the office. This is an ongoing battle on a daily basis. There's uh, a chunk of us in the office uh, that like to have the temperature down a little cooler. maybe A little the- cooler? It's Arctic in there. Well, yes, to, to some. And, and then there are the other misinformed people like yourself <laughs> that like to have it, uh, you know, tropical temperatures. And so there's uh, technologies uh, that can actually help this. And I wanted to chat about some of them. Uh, one uh, Kickstarter campaign, I don't know if you've seen this, uh, Aircon, uh, they're developing a, uh, a type of watch that can actually alter your body's temperature at the touch of a button. Which is very exciting. I would love to see this thing in action because I freeze to death on the daily. Yeah, so apparently it can uh, actually lower and elevate your body temperature. I don't know how exactly it's going to do this. It's on your wrist, so obviously there's some sort of heating and cooling mechanism built into it. I don't know how long that battery's going to uh, uh, last, but uh, you know, it looks like people are trying to take a step in the direction of solving this uh, issue. Another thing that uh, I think we're going to have to implement in our office, Christina, is um, some controls like a, a Nest or an Ecopee, like these smart thermostats that I think will be able to control the temperature a little bit better. Uh, are you saying a little bit better because it will take control away from the rest of us? Okay. So if I were to come <laughs> clean, yes, I would completely take control of this so that no one could physically alter the thermostat uh, that's on the wall anymore. So it's going to go that way. I, I don't know if I'm on board with this. Well, you you'll probably have to be. Don't forget to visit our webpage on a regular basis, getconnectedmedia.com. It has links to our Facebook uh, page as well, where you can interact with us, ask questions, give us ideas on tech stories that you'd like to uh, hear about uh, on the program. Also, our contest page. We are giving away awesome, awesome prizes every week. This week, we're giving away a Motorola smartphone that uh, takes Moto Mods. These are little snap-ons that give added functionality. So included in this package, this contest prize, not only do you get the Motorola smartphone, but you also get the Pico Projector mod. It's a smartphone addition. It just kind of clips right on, turns your smartphone into a projector. So you can actually watch movies 
show pictures, show a spreadsheet, whatever you want uh, in big size. Kind of a, a cool prize. So again, getconnectedmedia.com. Hit that contest page. And again, every week we're going to have some uh, new prizes for you to check out. When we come back from the break, still a lot more tech to talk, including Christina's app of the week. You are back with Get Connected. Mike Agarbo here in studio. I've uh, got my guest host, Christina Stoyanova. And you know what, Christina? It's that time of the week. App of the week. What do you got? I have IKEA's new app. This is the one that uses the augmented reality to show you what furniture would look like in your own space. It's called IKEA Place. And right now it's just available for iPhone, free on the App Store. I have seen uh, uh, this this app in action uh, back actually a couple months ago, uh, I guess a beta version of it. It is freaking awesome. Like it is amazing what it can do. You can take any space in your in your home, your office, uh, using your smartphone and the app through the camera, and you can basically start dropping furniture into the space, IKEA furniture, and it's like it's there through That's the right. camera app. Yes, so you're looking at your screen and pointing it at the place where you'd like to drop the furniture. And then you select the piece of furniture from the catalog and you can see on your screen what the room would look like with that piece of furniture in it. And you can actually go so far as to move in close to see some of the details of that piece of furniture. You know, like if there are any seams or buttons or whatever. But it's amazing. Like you can walk around the furniture. It stays in place uh, in the spot that you you put it. So this is the ultimate uh, furniture shopping app. Like you don't even have to go to Ikea. You can just kind of have Ikea at your home and just start dropping furniture all over your living room. Yeah. It, and it's really interesting because one of the the issues with furniture shopping is that you go into a furniture store and it looks really great in there. But it's a huge space and you never have any concept of how that's going to look in your space because, of course, you don't live in a furniture showroom. So this completely eliminates that problem. Well, we're going to start seeing more and more of these augmented reality apps, especially with the power of the smartphones that are uh, coming onto the market uh, now. Uh, it takes, obviously, a lot of computing power for something like that to, to happen. But I think IKEA has done uh, a fantastic job out of the gate with uh, this uh, particular app. So, you know, if you've got an iPhone, uh, you definitely have to check it out. Don't forget to tune into our other show this weekend, The App Show. The app show radio.com is the website for that. Uh, it has more details there. But uh, we do broadcast that on the Chorus Radio Network every weekend here on CKNW in Vancouver, 10 a.m., Pacific time, you can tune in and find out all the latest, greatest apps for your iPhone, iPad, and Android devices. Lots of great tips as well. It's a really action-packed show. I've got my hosts, uh, Christina and Graham Williams, uh, that help out with that, and it's uh, it's it's a lot of fun. And I really do encourage you to tune in to, to find out what's hot and what's not. And uh, you know what? It'll give your smartphone some extra life when you can find some cool new uh, apps. That's all the time we have left. Don't forget to hit our website, getconnectedmedia.com, to check out our Motorola smartphone giveaway and uh, win a little Pico projector with it as well. That's all the time we have left. See you again next time.